This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, also known as Super G, and I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how a formal Ripple advisor is leading the review of Silicon Valley Bank as European Parliament is creating new rules for crypto, attempting to add a kill switch to every smart contract. The FDIC has $120 billion insuring over $9 trillion in assets as the United States CBDC is being promoted as a solution to a liquidity crisis, telling the world there's infinite money at the Federal Reserve. And with the banking collapse of the decade happening before our eyes, we break down the details, showing our listeners how the government never lets a crisis go to waste, using this banking collapse to centralize the crypto industry. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny, as you can tell, we got some amazing news prepared for today. But the thing that caught me off guard, Michael Barr is going to be overseeing Silicon Valley Bank Formal Ripple advisor, more good news, my friend. How are you feeling? Yeah, I don't know if there's any good news about banks collapsing. But nonetheless, we try to find the silver lining. I'm feeling good today, Abs. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you. Appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. And also to Gonzo. Great to see you, buddy. And yes, oh yeah, let me turn the ringtone off. All right, guys. And we got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us. Gonzo, very excited for today's show. Meta is also planning on banning uh, NFTs across all platforms. But with all the news we have for today, it's not that important to mention. How are you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling outstanding. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, missing Selman uh, today. I know he's not feeling good, so sending you healing vibrations. So in his honor, Selman always says, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Isn't that what he always says? And so, yeah, man, it, it's going to be a great show. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, just super excited to be here. Awesome, guys. And we're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 3,019 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning at a 56. And for good reason, as we've got green bubbles across the board, Johnny Crypto, CFX is one of the largest daily movers, up about 40%. When we check out the total coin market cap, Bitcoin is performing dangerously well this morning. We are sitting at 1.13 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 44% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at $25,900 
Is it a glitch in the simulation or is the bear market over? We're going to be talking about it. Ethereum is 1700 XRP is 38 cents. Cardano is 36 Litecoin 88. And let's scroll down to Quant Network, which is sitting at 132 this morning. So, Johnny, I don't want to waste too much time on the market overview, but green bubbles across the board. Is there anything that gets you excited this morning? Well, you know, green is good abs, but I would definitely not go as far as to say that the that the bear market is over. No, I, I don't believe so. You know, but will we get a? You know, will we find? Have we finally gotten all the bad news out of the system? I, I don't know yet. Probably pretty close, but we know that there's an all-out assault, all-out assault right now on crypto, and and there's stuff happening behind the scenes, and and so it makes me concerned that no, I, I don't think we're 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 out of it yet, abs. Um, but I certainly wouldn't be buying right now either, to be honest with you. I think now we've already got that kind of, you know, sitting in greed. What I tell you about greed, you got to sell. So uh, nothing in particular that I'm buying. I do have my eye on that CFX, but it's it's way too late to get into that now. We have to watch that when that pulls back. They also call that the China coin, my friends. We got 156 yes, live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, I want to get your take on this. Tony Edward pointed out a pretty cool chart yesterday showing how Bitcoin, it's getting bullish momentum at the perfect time. This is what we call a recovery pump after the bear market. And it's not a sign the bear market's over, but it is a sign we reached our bear market bottom. So some pretty exciting news there. What sticks out to you, Gonzo? Yeah, you know, that 19.5 ended up being uh, that bounce. You know, it filled the CME gap. And uh, you know what I'm excited about, uh, Abs? I'm excited about that we finally broke that 25-200 level because we've been waiting for that because it confirms our automatic rally in Wyckoff. Uh, and so now all we have to do is hold above. I, I know we got up to like 26.5, so we smashed that. So we just got to kind of close above that. I think the automatic rally is confirmed and kind of like what Tony's chart shows. Uh, the next thing, there's not a lot of trading ranges between now and 30K. But like I said, most cryptos will, in the automatic rally, go to the 0.5 FIB which is 32K. Uh, the bottom of the golden pocket, which is the 0.618 FIB, is at about 39K. So we have to like take it day by day, but I, I do see us reaching those levels. And then like we've been talking about rolling over when we hit those eclipses, we have the solar eclipse and then the lunar eclipse. Uh, and then we're gonna come down to make that spring. And then we'll just have to see how low we actually go. If our low is right above, if we double bottom, or if we create a new low, but everything is kind of matching up where we're going to create that spring that's going to move us right into the Bitcoin halving and then into the real next bull run. Thank you. you know, just to build on that. So one of the things, you know, Gonzo, I've been hearing it. I don't know if you guys are aware of Richard Hart, who he is, but he's still adamant and consistently adamant that we, we are still coming down to 10 K first. So it'd be really interesting to see if we, hit this 31 or 39 you're talking about, come all the way down to 10 and then spring load for the next bull run. Again, I don't know, but if I see 30 to 39, I, I'm definitely going to be executing part of my exit plan there in, in Bitcoin. I, you know, you got to take some profits, guys, because who knows how long this is going to last and where we're going. Um, take those profits and then get ready to reinvest them. Yeah, and that's what usually happens in an automatic rally. You know, Waters talks about this all the time. When you get an automatic rally, regardless if it's in Bitcoin, XRP, whatever the asset class is, those are the times that you want to de-risk and kind of pull some chips off the table. So definitely something to look at. Well, Johnny, as everyone's focused on the pessimistic news of the banking system, we're going to put a positive spin on it this morning because we've seen something similar happen in the early 1900s. And what do we believe is happening today? The consolidation of cryptocurrency into traditionalized finance 
it's going to benefit everybody who's not an advocate for decentralized finance going forward. But everybody who's watching our show should understand one thing. When big banks come into this market and begin to custody crypto, that is when we'll see projects like Bitcoin and Ethereum break their all-time highs. And we're going to break down how that process is set to take place. So we got a live ringtone going off, but we also have 200 live listeners. Check out this cool video and then we'll get some comments from the group. The Federal Reserve Act wasn't drafted in Congress. It was drafted on a private island off the coast of Georgia in 1910. Here is the island, Jekyll Island. And it was uh, drafted under great secrecy. Jekyll Island was the retreat for billionaires like William Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan. And in 1910, Senator Nelson Aldrich, the Republican whip in the Senate and the chair of the National Monetary Commission, sent his private railroad car to the New Jersey Railroad Station, where he and five other men were instructed to come one at a time and everybody pretend they just didn't know each other. Aldrich, who is the guy, remember, he wrote the original bill. He was uh, a business associate of J.P. Morgan. Oh, and the father-in-law to John D. Rockefeller Jr. So there's no special interest happening there. <laughs> there was also Abram Piot Andrew, Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, and Frank Vanderlip, uh, representing William Rockefeller, Henry Davidson and Benjamin Strong with J.P. Morgan, and Paul Warburg. Um, he is a partner. He was a partner at, um, at Kuhn, Loeb, and Company. So now that we've got the background set in stone, Johnny, I want to break down some details here. Everybody pretends as if this is a conspiracy. What really happened in the early 1900s is five or six of the most powerful men on the planet met up off the shores of New Jersey and decided, how can we monopolize the central banking system? How can we get rid of our competition while keeping our generations and our children successful forever? Well, that's what the remainder of this clip breaks down. So we're going to kick it right back to you and Gonzo. Here we go. He was representing the Rothschild banking family. Oh, he's going to talk about the Rothschilds now. He actually is an interesting character. Um, if you ever saw Little Orphan Annie, Daddy Warbucks was named after Warburg. These are the men that represented one-fourth of the entire wealth of the world. Wow. You think we got a problem with uh, wealth now? Those guys, one-quarter of all of the money in the world. The Morgans, the Rockefellers, Warburgs, Rothschilds. All in one room. Yeah, but when do they start sacrificing chickens? Oh, doesn't happen. That I'll tell you. Um, these guys were all competitors. It was human. To uh, G. Edward Griffin, who we'll talk to in a minute. They all had come together to form a banking cartel so they didn't have to compete against each other. He says it was like an oil cartel or a sugar cartel, but this cartel actually went into partnership with the government. I mean, how great is that, huh? It's kind of like the drug cartels in Mexico. Wait, I didn't say that out loud, did I? So for more than a week, these men sat around there. And they sat around this big table and they hammered out all the details. Look at that place. The Federal Reserve System with five objectives. How many of these do you agree with? One, to stop the uh, growing competition from the nation's newer banks. Monopoly. That doesn't sound good. Two, to obtain a franchise to create money out of nothing for the purpose of lending. That one really doesn't sound good either. Brilliant. Three, to get control of the reserves of all of the banks so the reckless ones wouldn't be exposed to currency drains or bank runs. Oh, that's the charity part. 
fine cheap beef. Thank you so much. Then to shift the losses from the bank owners to the taxpayers. Brilliant. It just gets better and better for you and me. No, again, the answer is no. And then finally, to convince Congress that the purpose was to protect the public. And there you go, Johnny. I says it right there. Everything we're seeing in the quantum financial system, we've seen it take place before when the fiat system was initially rolled in, whether it's a couple of globalized entities taking power of the entire market or claiming that they're protecting investors by taking control of your finances. We've seen these things before. I want to get some comments from Gonzo as well. I know that was a longer video. What stuck out to you? Is that for uh, me or Johnny? Oh, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you know, for, for people who have been aware of this, you know, this has been well known for a while, but, you know, it's very kind of kept, you know, but the reality is, you know, it's like the mob, right? What did the, what did the Italian families do or the mob in, in New York is rather than compete and kill each other, they all decided, hey, let's stop killing each other and let's come together and become Gary Gensler's boss, basically. But basically, um, that's what they did. They got together, they put a plan together, and, and then they and they rightfully rolled it out and sold Congress and everybody that was the right thing to do. But you saw the real plan for it, and, and that's what it is, and that system we've had. And, you know, I'm not even going to get – it goes even deeper than that, and there's ties to the Titanic and everything. It's pointless because nobody believes it's all – doesn't matter at this point. Come what on, matters tell us. No. Nah, at this but, point, what matters is this is the system – that we have and we're dealing with, and and you saw the <laughs> the purpose of plan. Glenn Beck called it out. Uh, very very uh, uh um, you know it, it bullet by bullet detailed formation. But yeah, it's just the system. Unfortunately, you heard it. it's to make money out of thin air, and that's the problem. It's so we're no longer. Oh, sorry. We no longer have a a, a limited supply backed money by gold where it actually mattered. Now it's just hey, we can print money out of thin air, and oh by the way, now there's no standard to hold it to so you can print it's unlimited printing and that's why you know that's why we're in a system where your dollar devalues because of the way it's you know was designed johnny we got to be honest on this yeah. channel so we got to tell the people what happened on the titanic the people who were not invited to that federal reserve meeting all decided to get on a ship and take a grand vacation on the biggest and best creation of mankind the titanic what happened hit an iceberg and all the competitors to this centralized banking system happened to die on the Titanic. Now, I know that's not proven. I know that might be conspiracy, but that's the backstory. So Gonzo, I'd like to get some comments from you on the original statements. What'd you think of that video? Yeah. You know, so if you want to learn more about it, you can read the book, the creature from Jekyll Island. And like you were saying, um, this isn't like some like crazy tinfoil conspiracy thing. You had these families that came together and really wanted to centralize power. Right. And uh, like Johnny was saying, I was thinking the same thing. It's like the mob, right? When the five families came together, what was that city? I think it was in New Jersey. Remember when all the five families came together? It was like a big event and they ended up getting like busted. Can't remember what it was now. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I think it was in New Jersey though. But anyways, it's That's kind of some of them all down. There was a big meeting where they all got together and they took them all down. Exactly. Right. Except, you know, we didn't take these guys down. Um, but, but yeah, that, it just reminds me of the mob and, and how they move. Um, and if you talk to most people, most people don't even understand what, what the fed does, right? Most people think that the, the federal reserve because of the name federal reserve is the government and it's not the government. It's a bunch of private banks that have come together and they've partnered with the federal government, um, to control our money. Right. And a lot of people don't know that. And to be honest, until I really kind of started taking control of my finances and kind of paying attention to that, um, you know, it was one of the first things that I learned, right? But most people 
are kind of asleep at the wheel and I, I don't even think they care, right? Um, they're too busy watching Netflix or, or, or the next kind of uh, a series that's on TV so that they could work their nine to five, go home, unplug, and then, you know, they work their Monday to get to Friday so they could have the weekend so they could have that Monday and then get to the weekend all over again, right? Uh, and I think that most of the people that watch our show and that are in our community, uh, you know, we're awake. So absolutely gonzo and johnny i'm kicking it right back to you but before i do we got 287 live listeners joining us show us some love smash that like button and the reason we started this episode off by describing how our banking system was set up is because we're going to paint the picture of what they're doing today the federal reserve has already confirmed that they have infinite money on their printing press well that printing press is about to turn digital so johnny i'm going to play the short clip and go right back to you my friend here we go to the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. Your ATM is safe. Your banks are safe. There's enough cash in the financial system, and there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. There is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. Not only was that true in 1913, it is true today, Johnny Crypto, and we know the printing press is turning digital we're going to show a controversial video later in the episode from somebody describing the process that's already taking place today. The reason we are having a centralized collapse right now is so they can take crypto and allow traditional finance to custody those assets and hold it for people like us. So I want to get some quick comments from you there, Johnny. The assets that we have today are going to be valued against the dollar and against the central bank digital currency going forward. So put a positive spin on this for me. Is there any positives to the United States launching a central bank digital currency? Because many of the assets that we hold could increase in price. You know, well, here, Gary Gary says it best right here. You know, there is infinite supply. They just turn it on. They can just spit out as much as they want because there is no there is no control. There's no limit. And so the problem with that is you will continue to devalue the dollar. Now, if you're looking for the silver lining in that, it's exactly what you just said. If you own a real asset, and this is why gold and silver, and look at that guy, and um, and, and real estate is probably yeah, crazy valuable, eyes. valuable abs because those things are limited. Silver is limited. Gold is limited. Yes, they produce 2% a year digging it up, but it's primarily limited, right? Um, real estate limited. So those assets are going to go up in time as they continue to print and devalue whatever it is, whether it's a CBDC, whether it's a fiat currency, if you continue to print more of something, Abs, you're going to devalue it. But yes, real assets will continue to climb. So that that's it. So for all the young people out there, if you don't have a multifamily house, you know maybe look into getting a real estate property. Rent the house out. And you, you have an asset that produces income, and it's a real asset that over time will go up as they continue to devalue the dollar. Again, not financial advice, not a financial advisor, but that is one of the uh, tested over time approaches to creating wealth, Abs, as real estate. Gonzo, and I want to get your take on this as well. Well, at least we know people at the Federal Reserve, they look normal, they act normal, they're just like us. And I think this video is a perfect description of that. This man's eyes are busting right out of his face and almost off my screen. And I think for good reason. He's hiding a lot of secrets. He's putting out a lot of lies. And I just want to get your take before we dive into some real details here. Give me an opinion on this video. Uh, yeah, dude, like he's just creeping me out with the eyes. But I, I will say this. He is being honest with you when he tells you, that the Federal Reserve has an infinite amount of money, right? Yep. Because all they have to do is create it out of thin air, right? It's why we have inflation. It's the debasement of our currency. And, and for us, what, what's good 
is that when they do that, like what you're saying is you want to own assets, right? Because when the printing presses turn back on and they start making more money, it goes into risk assets, which we're in, right? And then the value of our risk assets, assets <laughs> go up, right? And that's why it's important to remember not to write it all the way up and back down is to pull your profits, right? Make sure you pull profits and then you diversify like what Johnny's talking about, whether that's gold, silver, property, buying into companies, right? Um, uh, stocks, crypto, whatever that is, you want to make sure you diversify. But when they turn the printing presses back on, um, that's where you're going to see this thing really take off. You're spot on, Gonzo. And what catches my attention from yesterday is not only the fact that we are seeing what we've talked about for years take place with this banking collapse, Ripple seems to be at the forefront as Ripple's formal advisor, Michael Barr, is going to be leading the review of Silicon Valley's bank supervision, basically describing to the president what happened and why it collapsed. But guys, we got 318 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to show you a little subconscious programming here as Joe Biden was asked a very important question yesterday as he walked away from the podium. Thank you. God bless you. May God protect our troops in California. Mr. President, what do you know right now about why this happened? And can you assure Americans that there won't be a ripple effect? Can you ensure Americans there won't be a ripple effect? He cannot, Johnny Crypto. And I don't want to spend any time on that video. I just thought it was funny to show. This is a much more important video because we've talked about the banking collapse that happened throughout the week. This is breaking down the details, guys. This is showing you how the FDIC has only $120 billion insuring over $9 trillion in assets. So we're going to have a really important conversation. I'm going to play this video and go to Gonzo. Here we go. is and how much they're protecting. Right now, the amount of money they have, if you look at that closely, they have $125 billion. You know how much they're protecting? $9.9 trillion. Wow. Did, did you did you hear that? Yeah, say that one more time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of numbers on this page, right? Has $125 billion in their balance, but they're insured deposits, the quarter million dollars on the millions of accounts that are out there. They're protecting $9.926 trillion. So let me just explain something, Johnny. What happened during the Silicon Valley banking collapse is they had $200 billion in assets. There were rumors of $2.5 in missing or unallocated funds. So people started to say, okay, I'm going to go and take my money out. Over $42 billion of withdrawals took place over the weekend. And one of the ways this could have been avoided is if we had instant access to liquidity, we could take, a, uh, let's say, a money surplus from JP Morgan of $2 billion dollars send that over to Silicon to finance some of those trades, and then you wouldn't have the risk of a liquidity run. Well, what does the FDIC do here? They're setting up the opposite problem. They're insuring over 100 times the amount of assets that they have on their balance sheets. And I think it just shows how monopolized and flawed our current financial system is today. We're going to have a conversation about CBDCs, but let's start right here. How do you feel about the FDIC insuring over $9 trillion in assets with only $120 billion? Well, so this is a wake up call for some people. And, you know, you were in diapers probably back when this happened in 2008 or close to it. But um, <laughs> uh, this same problem happened. And that's when, you know, a lot of people started realizing when the banks started filling in 2008, they were having the same conversation. Wait a minute. We don't have enough money in insurance to cover everything because, guys, that's how insurance works. I don't know if you realize this. Your life insurance company, all your company, they don't set 100%. Nobody sets 100% of anything aside to cover anything anymore. That's why everything fails because nobody, the, the, nothing, it's not set up right. If we would just set things up and if you're supposed to insure 
you know, a trillion dollars worth of assets. Well, then you should have a trillion dollars of assets sitting somewhere ready to back them. But it's not how it works. They only because what they do is they look at it and they say, what's the probability that all these calls are going to come in at exactly the same time? Right. And they say, well, it's probably very 99 percent. It's not going to happen or 0.01 percent. It can happen. So we don't need to have to have a hundred trillion or a trillion dollars sitting in us. Johnny, take- I just, I'm going to kick it right back to you, but you said something so important, which is these financial systems are only set up for good times. If there is a bank run, they've said it themselves. They can't handle a bank run. They do not have the liquidity to handle those withdrawals. So that in and of itself tells me there's a massive change that needs to take place. If people well, by the way, pulling, isn't going to happen. Not happen. Not if happen. people are pulling their money and I want to hear your take on that as well. I, I somewhat agree. If people are taking their money out of the banks, it's because there's a catalyst in order to do so. So to say that the Federal Reserve isn't prepared for a catalyst, it tells me that there's a massive hole at the bottom of our banking system. And regardless of how long we run the printing press, eventually we're going to go down that hole. So I'd just like to get your take. Well, the the reality is now that you have a printing press that can run forever, you could fix any problem. But the problem in fixing the problem is you devalue the dollar, you create more inflation. And then you run into hyperinflation and then it's game over and your currency is dead and, and your, your money's worth nothing. And it costs you $50,000 to buy a loaf of bread, right? And don't laugh. That's, that actually happened in uh, Venezuela or Argentina and happened yeah, in, in Lebanon as well. Uh, my family's Lebanese. It's a mess over there. You're going to the banks. There's no money in the banks. The politicians sold out the citizens. It's worst case scenario. So the thing is, you have to understand, and this is why I try to educate people, but I stop now because but we got the show so people can learn. Anything you invest in, in any insurance and in any backing, it's not 100% back. They always put a risk probability on these things, Abs, of what's the chance of this stuff happening. And then what they try to do is they know what bankrupts it, right? A bank run will, will destroy the system. So then they do things. They put things in place to prevent a bank run by, you know, bringing out googly eyes or whatever his name was two seconds ago to tell everybody. What did he just come out and say? He said, don't go on a bank run. Don't worry. Your money's safe. We, we have it back. They have to do that. They have to tell you that because they know they can't back it and they know a banking system will lead to the crash of everything and they don't want that to happen either. So, you know, because then they have to pull off the the, the printing press at the end of the day. But yeah, it's good that you brought it up because people don't realize that there's no such thing as 100% fail safe. It doesn't exist, guys. Don't expect it to happen. Gonzo, I'm looking forward to hearing your take on this, but the FDIC was forced to take over over $209 from the bank over the weekend. And after that, it was faced with $42 billion worth of withdrawals in only two days. And what did we just break down in that last video? If crap hits the fan and all of their funds are drained, they only have $125 billion to insure over $10 trillion in assets. And if that's not the biggest flaw I've ever heard, I really don't know what is. So we're going to dive into some details about how Silicon Valley Bank could have actually survived, but instead they decided to force this collapse. We have some hard evidence of that. I'd like to get your take on this first. Yeah. So when it comes to Silicon Valley Bank, you know, when you go back a few years, we were in a zero percent kind of interest environment. And these guys got greedy. Right. They were out looking for yield and they basically bought in to 10 year risk on money that can be called either on a daily or a weekly basis. So Shamath uh, Pali, what is his name? Pali Hapatia, I can't even say Shamoff. Anyways, yeah. one of those venture capital, he talked about this, right? It's a time duration issue, right? Where these guys were buying 10-year risk, but they could be called on it either on a daily or weekly basis. And that's exactly what happened when they saw some weakness. But I think that it goes to the bigger issue, right? That this isn't unique to Silicon Valley Bank. This is all the banks, right? And why do they do that? 
because what we've been talking about, because they know that the Federal Reserve will come back them up, right? That's what happened in 2008, right? When they, when they, um, when they bailed out the banks. Now, Janet Yellen's already come out and said that they're not going to do that, but we know that's BS. They said that it's not going to affect the taxpayers, but when they create, they just created, it's called the bank term funding program, right? That this is how they're going to backstop all of the, uh, all, all of the depositors, right? But that fund only has, like what you guys are talking about, only has like $108 billion, right? You're talking about a shitload of money. So the way that they're trying to deal with this is by just, their words they're telling people right that don't worry about it we're going to backstop all of your deposits and they're hoping that people are not going to be emotional and they're not going to trigger a bank run because at the end of the day if a bank run gets triggered they don't have all the money to cover all of the depositors right and so it, they're, they're, they want us to trust them by just their words um and it's very very shaky ground right and so we're gonna have to see how it plays out Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got an important comment here. Somebody said, it's just like the toilet paper run from back in 2020. I wouldn't go that far, but I do think that's a funny analogy, guys. We got 374 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Tuesday. Johnny, this is the important article that I was just referencing. So Barney Scott, who openly worked at Silicon Valley Bank, was also part of the 2008 housing crisis and was able to bring in new regulation to save the banks in 2008. Well, this same man is openly admitting that Signature Bank was arbitrarily shut down despite no insolvency issues because regulators wanted to kill off the last major pro-crypto bank. And I'm going to read this quote and then kick it over to you, Johnny. So for his part, Frank, who helped draft the landmark Dodd-Frank after the 2008 financial crisis, said there was no real objective reason that Signature Bank had to be seized. I think that what happened was that regulators wanted to send a very strong anti-crypto message and we became the poster boy because there was no insolvency based on the fundamentals of this bank. That is very interesting. And I'm just going to have to take him at his word there, Johnny. I'm going to get some takes from you. What does it mean? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly, I mean, <laughs> we've been saying this for a while now that we are in the fight you stage and boy, they are fighting. They are fighting big time. And, um, you know, just to build onto this, to, to show you that there is a strong anti-crypto sentiment down in South Dakota just yesterday. A bill was passed by the legislators. It's a good thing the governor, kudos to the governor. She vetoed the bill, Abs, and the bill, they were snuck in. They didn't even tell her, but they snuck in a rule that said that crypto, they redefined cryptocurrency, and they said central bank digital currency is crypto, and everything else is banned. So there's 20 more states now that are going to be, that are going to get that same bill, that if, they're, if their governors aren't paying attention, they're going to approve that bill, and it's going to ban crypto in the U.S., and that's the plan. So it's out there. You saw them just shut down Signature Bank for no reason. It didn't need to go down, and it did because it's a crypto-based bank. Now you've got 20 states passing a, a crypto anti-crypto bill. So it is a very, very scary time for crypto, and this is what we have to see. Like, who's fighting for it? Will it really win? Will it survive? Blockchain's going to survive. No question about it. But the cryptocurrency itself and what that's going to mean, what that definition looks like, none of us know right now today what that's going to be. But there's guys like Bitcoin folks fighting for it. So we'll see where that battle ends. And Gonzo, could this be one of the reasons we're seeing the crypto market take off right now is because while they're trying to centralize a lot of these projects, it's working against them. They're proving how bad the banking system is by waking people up just like us every day. And this is something I wanted to read from this morning. One positive news front is that none of the taxpayer debt is going to fall to save some of these big banks. 
Just to be clear, none of the money is coming from taxpayers. It's coming from a tax on banks that fund the FDIF. We should raise the premium payments to banks to protect depositors for payroll and regional banks to prevent consolidation. This is progressive policy. And, you know, I don't want to bore people with the details here, but long story short, big banks are coming into crypto. They're going to get approval from Gary Gensler and other, maybe the CFTC as well, to custody crypto. And this is just part of that process. But Johnny brought up something very important. Maybe it's not a game of custody and crypto. Maybe it's a game of getting rid of decentralized currencies before they roll out a CBDC. And we have some evidence to provide for that, Gonzo. I'd like to get your take. Yeah, you know, uh, Operation Chokepoint 2.0 is in full effect. You know, everything was about Zil Silicon Valley Bank. I remember it was on Friday and Saturday. And all of a sudden on Sunday, they kind of just slid in, slid in the whole signature bank thing that they were taking over. And and, and I understand that, uh, that uh, Barney Frank is is on their board for Signature, but it's not just him. There's multiple people that have verified what he said, that Signature Bank was not in trouble. Um, I think there's even been some comments from the FDIC that they were even shocked that they were like told to move in and freeze everything. So it's definitely, uh, you know, they used it as an excuse. They used SVP, SVB as an excuse to go in and take out one of the last banks that we had that were a major on and off ramp, right? And we're going to continue to see this. They're going to try to find whatever happens with these banks right now. They're going to try to connect it to crypto to kind of give crypto a black eye uh, when we know it has nothing to do with crypto. It has to do with the Federal Reserve banking system. And Johnny Crypto, we got a bullish statement here from Jim Cramer. As Jim Cramer put on his show this week, I would sell my Bitcoin right into this rally. And if there's anything that's a bullish catalyst, it's when Jim Cramer gets bearish on this market. So just some brief comments here. How do you feel about Jim Cramer saying he would sell his Bitcoin into this uptrend? Um, Actually, I ain't going to lie. I mean, I agree with him. If we get it, I already said it earlier on the show. I'm not going to contradict myself. If we get into the 30 to 39 dollar range uh thirty thousand the the point look the point six one eight uh, extension as gonzo called out i would absolutely be selling 50 percent of my bitcoin position i don't own a lot of bitcoin anyway but uh, again you know me i have an exit plan right if we get anywhere into that 30 to 39 i'll definitely be considering to sell apps I, I agree with him in this case because i don't believe this is the start of the next leg up i believe we're going to hit that i believe we're going to pull back and maybe there is a pullback to 10K before we actually get the real launch. And if we hit 10K, I'd be buying back in, to be honest with you. But yeah, Abs, I, I have to say in this one particular case, I agree with, with your boy. Uh, where is he? I agree with the rat snake weasel himself, Jim Cramer, that I probably will be selling too. But I think he's talking about like right now, right? He's talking about before oh, we even move. No, I wouldn't sell right now. Yeah, I wouldn't sell right no. now because no, we're, I wouldn't like, sell. we're just starting off the, yeah. the automatic rally, right? And then I, and this goes to like, I forgot to answer this part of your question from earlier abs is I think the market's moving because what's happening is I think you have a story here is because the banks are breaking um, the, even though if you look at the percentages, it's still like 50% that they're going to write, they're going to raise 25 basis points coming up here on March 22nd. What the market thinks is going to happen is we're not going to get any more rate um, hikes. Right. And so that is causing the market to rally, but um, I still think I'm still using him as the rat snake weasel meter like you talk about, Johnny, because I think he's talking about right now. And uh, for me personally, right now is not the time. It's when we get towards the top of the automatic rally, which is still to come. Yeah. And I thought I thought he said sell into this rally. So I was assuming the whole entire rally. And if that's the case, then then I agree with him. But if it's right now. Oh, no, I yeah. Wouldn't. 
I guess I always think the negative when he talks, right? <laughs> of course. Well, he's a rat snake weasel. So what do you and you know what's interesting? I just realized after we got a Gary Gensler in the chat, but we don't have a great Jim Craver in the chat. Yeah, I'm good surprised. thing. He's not invited. But guys, we got the Central Bank Digital Currency article. I'm excited to show you as central banks are being rolled out around the world. The United States is perfecting a project behind the scenes. And we're going to break down some of the details here. But I do want to play a video of a very controversial man. I'm sure some people may be upset we're playing this, but we are going to show you a video of Alex Jones here because he breaks down exactly what's happening within the government today. The decentralized currency collapse is the fuel for CBDCs in the future. And we're going to show you that right now. Here we go. Go back the last six months, just grab four or five, because I know I've said it about a hundred times. Times that I said next they'll start collapsing regional and lending banks to consolidate them into the big six globalist banks. Yep. That own the private Federal Reserve and the European Union Bank and the rest of it. And then out of that, they will call for central bank digital currencies to be rolled out. And we just explained why they're going to do that, right? Centralized digital currencies can prevent banking collapses by allowing small banks to have access to larger amounts of liquidity. So what are they doing? They're taking those small banks and they're combining them. They're basically taking Bank of America, JP Morgan. They're going to buy up these small banks and become subsidiaries, which means that six central banks are going to dominate this whole country. And it's exactly like the video we played at the beginning of the episode, Johnny. The centralized banking entities will forever control these markets. And the idea that we're going to have totally decentralized finance, it's as real as Santa Claus, my friend. So I'm going to give you the open floor. What does it mean to you? Yes, exactly. And it's no different than if you go back and look at the media stations. When I was growing up as a kid, there were like 70, 83 media outlets, and they were owned by like 50 or 60 different people. Do you know how many own them today? Want to take a guess? Five? Six. Six. Six men own all the news media outlets that you watch, okay? And now the same thing's happening with the banks. So we six banks that run everything. And oh, by the way, I want to blow your mind too. I forgot to send you the link, but I'll just tell you about it. So somebody sent me something yesterday. Um, if you watch, and we, we all know that the best predictors of anything that's happening is The Simpsons. Do you know they had an episode of The Simpsons where they showed a bank failure? And do you know what the name of the bank was on the show? Oh, God. Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley Bank. bank. Unbelievable. <laughs> I got to start watching The Simpsons. Son of a gun. Literally, it was in there. Silicon Valley Bank. They showed the bank. I don't know how old the episode was, but somebody sent it to me and said, once again, The Simpsons. Put, put you know predict correctly so guys watch the simpsons i'm gonna start putting it on my dvr i gotta watch it too gonzo this is some more yeah. evidence of what's going on right now is over 95 percent of the world gdp is currently working on a cbdc and we saw it last week in china they rolled out their central bank digital currency on the wechat app which means 750 million people will now have access to their central bank digital currency and of course you know what's funny guys we're allowed to call it a currency when we're talking about a CBDC, right? But we're not allowed to call any of these cryptos currencies. So I'm going to start calling it a centralized digital asset, I guess. That way, Gary Gensler doesn't come after me. But guys, I did say Santa Claus was fake. And there is a three-year-old in the audience. Santa Claus is real, my friend. So shout out to the three-year-olds listening. Gonzo, I'd love to get your take. What do you think about CBDC development here? Um, well, let, let me start off by saying that... Uh, from the story or from Johnny's comment, I just want to add it a little bit further that, yeah, it does seem like the top five banks are starting to consolidate power. Right. And I could see this narrative where all of a sudden in the future, they become too big to fail. Right. That's how we start to get those bailouts because we can't have them go under. But I, I think that another reason why uh, Bitcoin has rallied these last 24 hours is because um, they, you know, in 2008, 
in the previous collapse of the banks, right? That's where Bitcoin was created. And I think that what's happened now is people have gotten kind of a resurgence of what Bitcoin means and what it does, right? And so when you talk about, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there with Johnny laughing. Um, I'm sorry. I just can't have like guys. I can't have laughing. Abs is the, the dream killer for these. I'm sorry, guys. I have to bust out. We got to call out the fake news on this show, or else we wouldn't be. In, we wouldn't hold our integrity. The Simpsons news. It's a classic deep fake, Johnny Crypto. The Simpsons did not predict the Silicon oh, Valley banking crash. Instead, oh. it's just an edit after the fact. So sorry to cut you off, guys. I just thought that was interesting. Of course. No, it's okay. Uh, and so now we have a second bank crisis. And then we have, uh, it looks like the adoption of Bitcoin, right? And, and it ties in with what's happened with stable coins where people aren't trusting stable coins. USDC, we thought was the most stable uh, big, uh, stable coin and it became depegged over the weekend. It's back to a dollar, but really it's kind of put that spotlight back on Bitcoin, just like when it was created in 2008. And if you, uh, following what CZ is doing, you know, CZ had that billion dollars in that um, kind of crypto fund that he had. He's uh, moved everything. We looked over at the wallets. He's moved everything into BUSD. And so he still is going to make a buy. He's going to make a large purchase of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and BNB. Uh, and so uh, when that happens, you, you bet that the price is going to continue to rally up. So again, um, I think that with this whole banking thing and what's happened with our stable coins or the stable coin market, it's really put another focus on, on Bitcoin. And I think that's why it's been doing so well the, the past uh, 24 hours. Hey, Abs, I got to address this because, I, I, you know, so look at this comment here, right? Central banks will lose their power to create money out of thin air with asset-backed cure. Okay, here, here's the problem I have with this statement. Who do you think is leading us into the revolution of the next system? You don't think it's the central banksters? <laughs> they're not going to lose their power. There's no way they're giving up their power. I just laugh when I see people say that all the time because it's like, no. It's not like there's some other group that's battling these guys. These guys are transforming the system. So I don't agree with that. Maybe you guys have a different stance. And if you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I, I don't. Everyone thinks, oh, the central banks are losing their power. No, the central banks aren't losing their power, guys. They're the ones transforming the power. But I'm curious to what you guys think. Well, we know that the XRPL was built to document the way people are spending their money. So the reason that the XRPL is designed the way it is, is actually you can track individual bank accounts and individual transfers in really, really great detail. If I spent my XRP at Target, for example, and we're sitting in the year 2032, not only would they know exactly what I spent, they would know exactly what I purchased, the time and how often I'm purchasing those things. And the reason they're claiming that's important is that way they can advertise to specific demographics and fuel the economy even more. But Johnny said it himself, the central bankers will not lose power because if they were, we'd go to war. Every time a different country tries to separate themselves from a United States currency, we roll the troops over their border. Oh. What are we seeing today? It's the same thing, guys, except it's not a physical war. They don't have to roll troops over the border to get crypto in the hands of traditional finance. They just have to fire up Gary Gensler in the SEC and say, hey, get out there and do your job, my friends. So, Gonzo, any Bingo. take on that? No, I mean, I agree with you guys. The central banks are not going to lose their power. That's why they have their hooks in this new technology, and they're just going to um, find a new way to kind of roll it out, right? Like, we're, we're, we're living through... Uh, the new financial system being rolled out and it's being controlled by them. Just like we talked about before, you know, JP Morgan can talk all the crap that he wants about Bitcoin or play word games with blockchain, but they are absolutely involved in this and they're going to transition everybody into it.
Absolutely, guys. And we got 358 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this video of the CEO of Circle talking about how USDC basically already is a United States cryptocurrency. Here we go. How much damage did the DPEG cause to USD's reputation? And, you know, is it long lasting damage? Well, I mean, look, I think what's really notable about what we've seen over the past several days is that, you know, the, the narrative had been, how do we protect the banking system from crypto? And I think what's taken place here is a demonstration of how do we protect a stablecoin from the banking system itself? And we have long advocated for uh, a full reserve model for digital dollars on the internet. And uh, we've, we've emphasized the risks of the fractional reserve banking system as something that backs that. And so we'll come back to, I know, the regulatory questions. But the important thing here is um, the result of this has been that you know, we have been able to actually move uh, the entirety of the reserves, which had already been essentially held in, uh, you know, Circle Reserve Fund with BlackRock, all short-term T-bills, that's about 80% of it, and the remainder with Bank of New York Mellon, uh, to have, you know, the safest underlying dollar digital currency that's out there. And so we, we're actually coming out of this with an infrastructure, a dollar market infrastructure that's the safest in the world uh, for transacting in the space. Until they roll out a CBDC. But Gonzo, I just wanted to get your take there. How do you feel about them being able to access their bank accounts even after this collapse? And the fact that USDC does a lot of what a, a centralized bank digital currency would do by unfractionalizing the banking system, it opens up the liquidity hubs and that's what crypto was built for. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a question in there that was talking about, is USDC still safe? Um, you know, as safe as a stable coin can be, I wouldn't just like hold all your money in stable coins. We know that it became depegged because about 8% of their reserves was on Silicon Valley Bank. It was uh, it was frozen there. And so over the weekend, they were unsure how they were going to get that. They had already said that um, if they didn't get their money back, that they were going to use corporate money. I don't know how they were going to come up with that $3.3 billion, But like we all said, the FDIC came and the Fed came to the to their rescue and they got their funds. I know that they've moved most of the funds into uh, being the White Melon, which is one of the, the, the longest banks that we've had in, in existence. Um, but yeah, so I, I think what's really interesting is we haven't heard a lot about Tether and I'm not spreading any FUD about Tether, but we know because Tether has told us that a lot of their backing is either in cash or in treasury bonds, which is what got Silicon Valley Bank in trouble, right? They bought 10 year treasury bonds and then they were called, right? And so uh, really interesting would be, what are the treasury bills that uh, Tether is involved in, right? Are they short-term treasury bills or are they long-term treasury bills, uh, right? And I, and I think uh, with this whole narrative with stable coins and then you add the regulation to that, that's what I was just talking about earlier where a lot of people are, are kind of putting their money um, into, into Bitcoin because they feel it's a lot safer than, than stable coins. Johnny, yeah. I think uh, I just want to explain what he was saying about treasury bills real quick. So what these banks do is they take big pools of capital and they go and buy treasury bonds, which give you about 1% over a 30 year period, which is great, right? But it's not great because if inflation is at 5%, these assets are not only bleeding, but they can't be liquidated. You can't sell a treasury bond getting 1% over 30 years when inflation is four or 5%. It just, it's not profitable. It doesn't make any sense for these banks. So what happens is they purchased a lot of these treasury bills back in early 2020 when interest rates were much lower. Now people are getting about 5% on some treasury bills, meaning every one that was purchased at 1%
is far below, far below what it was doing just a couple of years ago. And this is a problem we're going to have to address. If the United States banking collapse happens, it will happen through the bond market. And we got a little taste of that this weekend. I just wanted to clear that up. No, I was actually going to go there because this guy actually said it earlier in the show. He's spot on that what's really happening here, Abs, is the bond market is failing. And if you and I'm not a big bond guy, so I don't know a lot about it, but I was watching a video on it yesterday where they were talking about that, where the bonds are. If you look at the yield and the inverse curves and the way they go, we're headed to the same exact thing that happened in 2008. So the bonds are going to fail. And that's going to crash the entire system. And it hasn't happened yet. We're on the way to having that happen. Now, think about this. What did you just hear the uh, the Circle CEO say about where 80% of the money is in the USDC? Or um, is it? Treasury bonds. Exactly. So when the bonds fail, Circle's Same dead. Thing like uh, USDC's yeah. dead. USDC's going to implode and crash. I don't want to be in USDC. I don't want to be anywhere near USDC. USDC is not a safe place. And this actually highlights exactly, exactly why right now, as of today, no stable coin is safe. Because when you look at the difference between a fiat currency and a stable currency, the only difference between the two, because they're both kind of crap, is that one is backed by the U.S. government and the ability to, to print money and tax the U.S. payer, and the other one isn't. And that's why a, a, a USDC or a USDT, they're all at risk. Because when they crash or when the money disappears, there ain't a government that's going to come back and say, don't worry, we got you covered. We're going to prop. We're going to do this. No, stable coins are not safe and they never will be, unfortunately, until either they're backed by gold. That's kind of why I like Pax G um, or until they're at, and that's not a stable coin, by the way, or when they're backed by the actual government. And we all know what that is and we know when it's coming. It's going to be called a central bank digital currency. So here's what's going to happen, I think now. Write this down. So they're going to crash U.S. They're going to make everybody think USDC safe. The bond market crashes. USDC crashes. Everybody loses confidence in stable coins and cryptocurrency. And then they say, here, we're now going to bring you the USDC. Uh, sorry, CBDC, U.S. based, backed by the government. And now you don't have to feel and worry. So that's what I'm, I'm that's my guess at this point in time, if I have as a betting man. Gonzo, I'd love to get your take as well. And I think it's worth mentioning, Johnny, you brought this up earlier in the episode. HSBC acquired Silicon Valley's banking firm in the UK for only a pound. And what happened here, guys? They wow. got access to tons of cheap assets. They took advantage of all the clients that they had built over the years and they absorbed them into what? A central banking entity. These companies, I don't want to bore people and break down the details. They are all owned by the same people. We can't say this every single day without just getting, it's just, I just feel like I just say the same thing every day. Every, the same six families control everything, whether it's the banking system, it's the media. This is another example of that. You have the largest bank in the UK coming in and taking custody of billions of dollars worth of crypto assets for a fraction of the price. So Gonzo, sorry, but the floor is yours, my friend. No, you know, I, I saw the story. I don't, I don't know much about it, but like, like you've been saying, it's the same uh, five families that are consolidating power and that control. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Yusko calls it the the banking cabal but i guess that's not a good word to use you cabal, can't say that right? no more yeah i can't, you can't say, say that. that anymore right so it's the it's the banking cartel right but it's the actual so you understand now why we're into cryptocurrency right and why it's important to be in cryptocurrencies like xrp that have a real use case and a real utility you can see why you have your bitcoin maxis right that believe in bitcoin and what it re represents because it's peer-to-peer -peer, because it's decentralized 
because no one can just come in and take it away from you. All you need is your seed phrase and you can take it with you wherever you go. Right. But um, so, you know, all we can hope for, because we know CBDCs are coming, is there's going to be like a parallel system where you have cryptocurrencies and you have CBDCs or we, we can we uh, we still have the private sector that's involved in the rails of the CBDC and that we can make money off of those rails. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got more validation of that real quick before I play our next video. They've already decided that there is going to be several separate, uh, sorry, separate central bank digital currencies, one for retail consumers and one for financial institutions. And that's what we have in this document right here. CBDCs can be roughly divided into two types, those designed for financial institutions and those designed for the general public. So basically the king's against the sheep. And I am in the sheeple class, so that is not an insult at all. But guys, we got 357 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there was a video I wanted to play, right? Um, I actually lost it here. So just give me a second, guys. I'm looking for a specific article. This is the one that I wanted to find. So Meta is going to be canceling all support for NFTs on Instagram and Facebook. And this is some pessimistic news for NFT holders out there. The decision was prompted by the desire to focus on other ways to support creators, people, and businesses. And after reading this article, Johnny, it seems people just weren't that excited about these rollouts. It's not that they aren't an advocate for this technology. It's that people weren't really using it or excited about it. So they decided to cancel the program and shift that focus into other places, specifically the metaverse. Now, just to add on to this before I kick it to you, Facebook announced this morning they are laying off an additional 10,000 employees during this quarter. And they plan on canceling the 5,000 that they were set to hire. So 15,000 people just lost their jobs from Meta. Another interesting detail. What does it mean to you? Well, don't forget, you already heard uh, Senator Warren when she was talking to Powell that there's about 2 million job losses that are going to happen. So minus 15,000. So we now have 1.999995 million. Eight, eight, five. Uh, yeah, thank you, Joey. Love you guys. Um, to be lost. There's a lot of job loss. This is going to be a horrible year. 2023 is going to be a year from hell. It's going to be very bad. This is going to be a bad year. But I think when we get through this year and we have to see where regulation lands and how crypto comes out through this whole thing at the end of the year, if crypto survives this year, 2024 is going to be a hell of a year, I think, because obviously we have the Bitcoin halving coming. Any survival of that, I think, is going to be huge when we get to next year. But don't be surprised if we see a $10,000 Bitcoin this year with all the fun and news that's about to come. I won't be surprised if we see 39 and then 10 abs. It, it will be setting itself up. But again, a lot of unknowns. We're going to have to wait and see. This is a very, very challenging year. No question about it. Gonzo, I don't, I'm not sure if you have any takes on that because I do have a follow-up question in regards to stablecoin. So really briefly, was there anything about that NFT article that stuck out to you? It, it's just that, you know, we're still early with NFTs and how they're, you know, what their form is going to eventually look like. When you talk about what, what it was on Instagram, it was just to kind of show, it was more of the social currency. Uh, it had like no real use case, but then, you know, you're, we're going to get things like this. You're going to get bad news like this, but you're going to get good news on the Amazon side, right? With their NFT marketplace. Now that's a little bit of more of a closed garden, but I think we're going to continue to see this. We're very, very early with uh, NFTs and what they actually are going to represent when it comes to like film, music, um, like real world use cases, our medical yeah. records, licensing. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the biggest or the, uh, or the first kind of versions of that that we're going to see are like in loyalty or community or rewards things, kind of things like, like Starbucks are doing. Those will be kind of the first use cases when we talk about the normal person. 
besides like the smart contract aspect or, you know, being part of communities. And so we're still, you know, like Johnny O says, uh, we're so early, we feel like we're late, but we're very, very early when it comes I, to NFT. And again, I, that yeah. the NFT thing is, is really where I think it's really going to start to take off is more in the gaming space, right? Uh, and gaming and NFT, I'm sorry, gaming and metaverse. That's where we're really going to see it take a hold and take off. And then after that, I think we're going to see kind of music and then film. Yeah, I didn't mean to skip over that article. I got, I got detracted. I just want to add to that what Gonzo said. 100% agree. I think the only reason why they're walking away is you said you said people aren't um, attracted to it. I think there's been a lot, a lot of bad news about NFTs in the past six months of a year of all the scams and rug plays that people have been hearing about that they shied away from it. I actually believe that Facebook will reverse that rule in a few years from now and like, oh, shit, we need to get into NFTs because – NFT is nothing more than just a digital contract, right? At the end of the day, it's 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 a right, it's a it's a ownership thing, and so I think that you will see that coming back over time, Zab. Thank you, Johnny. And we got 332 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out our closing article for today. As guys, we are going through a turbulent time, but there is plenty of positive news during this op during this collapse. And one of the weird things that's happened is Tether is actually proven to be one of the most sustainable cryptocurrencies, or sorry, one of the most sustainable stable coins within the market today. And it could be because it's Chinese back, Johnny. So I just wanted to get some brief thoughts on this. Nine out of the 10 stable coins de-pegged from the dollar over the weekend. USDC, Binance coin, the list goes on and on. But the one token that was able to maintain its value, that would be Tether. The one that we are constantly told to stay away from, the one that's connected to all this nefarious activity. This yep. is the surviving stable coin here. So I want to hear from both you and Gonzo. What do you think about this news for just broadly? Well, so here's the thing, right? You always have to do the opposite of what you're hearing. And back then, when everybody said Tether was bad, we came on the show and told you, no, nothing's going to happen to Tether because they're telling you something's going to happen to Tether. That's and, and you never get that kind of early warning, right? And instead, they made you feel like USDC was great. And we saw that USDC peg, you know, lost its pegging, although it got it back. Now, everybody's going to start feeling Tether is great. So now you got to be careful about Tether because maybe now everybody's going to come moving shipped into Tether and then they're going to pull the rug out from us. So again, as I said earlier, you can't trust any of these things. I don't feel any safer in them. And in fact, to be honest with you, the safest thing, uh, my opinion right now, is really gold and real estate if you want to know the truth and, you know, in some cryptos. But yeah, it's very interesting. Ab, but don't buy into the situation. Don't buy the story that any stable coin is safe. Until it's actually backed by a real asset or a government, and I hate to say that, but the reality is that's how the system works. Until it is, in my opinion, they're never going to be safe apps. Gonzo, I'm shifting gears here because we got a really important question. It said, should I still accumulate my crypto bags? Would love to hear from you all about it. Lots of FUD. Couldn't agree more. Lots of FUD, lots of uncertainty. And that's what you should expect during a bear market. The same people who are going to be telling you to buy Bitcoin at $70,000, they're the ones telling you to stay away from it when it's sub $20,000. Gonzo, just to close this out in the episode, what is your non-financial advice, having gone through these markets and been through the turbulence, what is some advice that you would give to a fellow friend? Of course, once again, not financial advice. Yeah, you know, the 19.5 when we came down to that last week and then the weekend, that was the time to be accumulating. I would say now as we're going to rally, it really depends on whether you have some of the asset or not. If you're going to do a little bit of dollar cost averaging or you're still kind of way below your average. Uh, me personally, what I'm doing, because I was packing my bags when we were at max fear and we we're at lower levels, um, I'm going to wait for this thing to rally. I'm going to de-risk. And then when we come back down, that's when I'm going to go back in, right? 
everybody's different. Um, and you know, you have to look at it as a long-term thing. Like Ethereum, we were telling people a thousand and below was a great time to DCA. It's now up to 1700. If you believe that Ethereum is going to be in the next bull run, you know, seven to $10,000, then it might be a good time for you to DCA if you're going to hold long-term, but everybody's different. Like I said, for me, I was buying Ethereum at like 1100 and below. And so I won't be buying any Ethereum, not until we come back down. So everybody's different, but there are going to be opportunities like XRP, right? If you don't have any XRP, XRP still is below 40 cents. I think it's like 37 cents. If you don't have any XRP, if you yeah. think you know where XRP is going to go, it's probably a great time to buy XRP, XLM, some of the other ISO tokens. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to the man, the myth, the legend. I guess myself, because there's no third guest here. we got 321 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Tomorrow, we have Crypto Lulu joining the show. This is going to be a really, really exciting episode, guys. So go and check it out. Like we always say, Warriors, guys, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys.